Welcome everybody to the Coach's Edge podcast. If I am an unfamiliar voice, uh, you're going to hear me a little bit more today, but I am uh, Steve Kramer's younger brother, and he asked me to come on the show today and kind of help facilitate and lead some of the discussions so that he can really focus in on giving uh, you listeners an idea of what his summer looked like as it's coming to a close here with his uh, programming and his clinics. And I'm um, really just going to allow him to to look back on what these last few months have have been and explain to you how he does things and, and why he's effective. So, big bro, how are you, man? Taylor, thanks for doing this. I'm doing great. And uh, if it weren't for you, the Coach's Edge podcast would not be everything that it is because you know a heck of a lot more about podcasting and stuff than, than I do. So, first of all, thank you for that. And second of all, uh, it's nice to have somebody – run the show a little bit because I'm always trying to share some of what we do with Kramer basketball and the coach's edge, but it's different when someone else is essentially the moderator, right. And being able to ask questions and do more of an interview. So um, I did want to do that as we talk a little bit about some of the things that we teach throughout the course of the summer, uh, working with a lot of players and how we incorporate different types of instruction and also just what are some of the valuable skills that I would recommend for other coaches to work on with their players. Right on, man. Well, you go ahead and put your feet up and uh, I'll ask the questions and, and you do what comes easy, which is just explaining um, what you do and, and, and why you're so passionate about it. So let's, let's start off here. Um, this isn't necessarily what's important, but I think it can frame for people uh, what your summer looks like. And that is, let's talk numbers. So uh, how many kids were you able to serve? How many clinics did you do? And, and what type of uh, time frame? Yes, we started in early June and we finished the first week of August. So that's a nine week period. And uh, we even had a couple of days of camp on the week of 4th of July, which is tough to get scheduled, but we, we made that happen. And um, we also had, I think, five night camps throughout the course of the summer. So all in all, we fit over nine weeks, close to 10 weeks of basketball camps into a, a nine-week period. Um, I was trying to bulk up a little bit. I lost nine pounds, basically one pound a, a week. Uh, it's because you're in the gym all, all the time, um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that at all. We worked with approximately 1,026 kids uh, this summer and uh, could be wrong, give or take. And um, we did a handful of open camps, which are open to the public, right? Anybody can come. I ran out a gym, a facility, and we invite players to come and, and train with us from all over the place. And then we um, continue to do more, what I call closed or private camps, where uh, a school varsity basketball coach contacts me, says, hey, we want you to come in and work with our program. And uh, so we decide how many days how many hours, what age groups, and we come in and we make that happen. And so all in all, that's a little bit of, you know, the bones, the, the structure of how our summer camps go. And when it comes to our open camps, basically I, you know, this is an attack camp. This is a finishing camp. This is a shooting camp. This is a general skills camp or game situations. And that's how we market it. And um, from a, the close standpoint, when we work with coaches, it's, it's up to the coaches. I ask them, what are your needs? What are the things that you're trying to focus on and get better at? And then I design a camp that basically I will never run again, uh, specifically to the needs uh, of that program. Well, it's awesome. Um, thinking about specifics and what each program and coach might request. That's pretty, 
pretty amazing to be able to provide uh, specialized uh, programming like that. Um, well, just a, a quick question. Do you think that things um, this summer have gotten back to what it was pre-COVID um, for you in terms of what you're able to do and people's willingness and, and ability to participate? You know, 2021, once we got into May, June, for the most part, it was pretty normal operations for me. So uh, yes, I would say for the past year and a half, we've been cranking up pretty hard. Um, last year, we had a completely full schedule uh, during the summer. This summer, we've had a completely full schedule. Um, I One thing I did notice, I feel like the closed camps are probably something that we're going to go to more. I don't know if that's more of a pandemic thing. I don't know necessarily the reason behind it, but I generally have more and more coaches reaching out as far as private camp instruction, just working with their, their program. Um, and so I, I just think that's a direction personally that will probably go throughout the summer uh, more and more. Did you see, as you mentioned, that you can do um, some specialized programming based on a coach or a team's needs? Um, did you see any specific things kind of more, becoming more popular this summer? They were requesting something uh, specific, maybe as opposed to the variety of things you can offer. Definitely. Um, so it's it's interesting transition. We When I started out, um, what I would call our attack skills camp was our most common request. Coaches bringing me in and asking, Steve, we want to attack pressure. We want to handle pressure. We want to be able to break down the defense, create advantages off of the bounce. And that was our most common request from coaches. And this past summer, and even getting into more so last summer, but really this summer, shooting was far and away the most common request. And I don't think that's a surprise, right? As we we watched NBA, college, right? The value of the three-point shot and the request for, I think we had one um, stretch of the summer actually where it was five straight um, different programs and camps that I had gone into. And that was the subject was shooting the basketball five in a row. So that's definitely become the most common thing uh, for shooting. But what I try to remind the coaches of is, listen, we can make you a better shooter, right? If your kids are consistent and they're, they're following, like it's my job to come in. You have an issue, you have a, a problem, right? Which is we need to become better shooters. We're struggling in this specific area. I can come in and I can give you the tools to be more successful as long as you continue to work on those different things. Now, if they're not going to do it consistently, they shouldn't bring me in. But here's the other thing that I try to mention with coaches. I can give you the blueprint to become a better shooting team. However, if you do not have the ability to create those shots within your offense, or because of your defensive pressure, you're still not going to be a good shooting team because knocking down the shot is the final piece of every single offensive possession. There are many things that need to happen to put yourself in a position to be successful. That's why we're always talking about, like everybody wants to be successful, right? But what are you gonna do on a daily basis to put yourself in a position to seize the opportunity when it's there? It's the same thing with shooting. 
And there's a lot of things that need to happen to be able to get that wide open inside out, kick out, catch and shoot, rhythm three, and then to be able to knock it down. So as much as we teach shooting, and it it's it is more important in my opinion than it's ever been in the game of basketball before. I still try to emphasize with our coaches and players, if you don't have the ability to, to handle pressure, if you don't have the ability to create advantages, if you don't have the ability to really read the defense and make good, solid decisions, you're still going to struggle, even though from a technical standpoint, you may be better at shooting the basketball than you were earlier. And I think you mentioned the NBA and for me, it has been fascinating to watch as the NBA over the last 10 years, it's it's went from, okay, maybe each team has two or three shooters on the floor at a time to now almost all five need to be able to at least hit some type of mid-range shot and be a threat. And um, seeing that kind of trickle down now to the college level where you have your bigs that are stepping out and shooting a lot more threes and it's more acceptable than it was. Um, and so I have to imagine that it's, it's the same with high school. We're probably always a little bit behind what's taking place at the higher levels, but that stuff always does seem to trickle down and create new needs. Yeah. I think there's the combination of the international game, right. With, uh, you know, stretch four, stretch fives from overseas, generally players of all positions could have been able to shoot the basketball for quite a long time uh, on the international, especially European level. Uh, combine that with, I mean, I think John Beeline um, at uh, West Virginia back in the day had a big impact, right? He had a, he had a big uh, stretch five named Pitsnoggle. I don't know if you remember him, if you're too young to remember him. Oh, I remember. Um, yeah, they had a wing guard named Mike Gianzi, who was, who was really good. He actually made the team a team that I tried out for that I didn't make. So that's why I always remember this this team. How um, tall was Gianzi? In was Germany. he six, five, six, Yeah, four? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a little taller, a little taller than me, which helps. Um, so he, he was coming down and hitting transition threes. He was picking, popping, hitting threes. And, and West Virginia made that run. I don't know if it was like to the sweet 16, maybe, maybe farther. And um, I think that played a role in the game changing. Uh, you know, all of these things are pre Steph Curry and the explosion of when he started to shoot threes, like free throws. Right. And everybody was like, man, they started bombing away. So um, all those things play uh, a role and a factor. But nevertheless, if you don't have the ability to create high quality shots, it really doesn't matter that you're really good at knocking those knocking those shots down. We at our camps, that's one of the five things that we talk about is the decision making aspect, right? The shot selection aspect. So um, from a mechanic standpoint, we talk about keeping the basketball straight generating positive power, right? There's negative power and there's positive power, keeping that power in a straight line, <clears throat> having great balance, generating proper arc on a shot. Those are four that probably sound somewhat familiar, but the one that not enough people talk about is the shot selection piece. You know, there was one specific program that was asking me to come in and work on shooting. And I said, coach, based on everything that you've just told me, right? And I asked him a handful of questions outside of they want to bring me in for a shooting camp. I was like, I think if you really bought into some simple rules that we have regarding what shots to take, you're going to shoot better next year. And we won't run a shooting camp at all because we're just going to break down some rules as far as shot selection, rhythm, range, and room, understanding better players get to have more shots, 
right? And they're kind of being a little bit of a pecking order as far as who gets to shoot what, right? You've probably heard of, you know, green light shooting and things like that. Um, as far as being able to set in stone a few things of, you know, what it looks like and who can take certain shots. And if we did that alone, you're going to be able to knock down more shots at a higher percentage than you were before without us even breaking down the details of center of the hand, center of the ball, center of the hoop, right? Being balanced, being the, you know, if I'm right hand, it means my right foot's forward, how much take the tip of my left shoe, put it into the arch of my right foot, kind of bring it out. So now I have a nice wide base and that's a general rule for how much we like to have that right foot for a right-handed shooter and for all those little details that we teach at our camps. Um, just being able to understand what is a good shot, what shots are we trying to hunt down can go a really, really long way uh, when it comes to building and coaching your program. So you had uh, alluded to or have been talking about how even when you look at, okay, uh, here's a team that is requesting some help with, with shooting and improving upon that and then being able to break down and get super granular with, okay, well, what else is going to make this team successful or are there actual actually some underlying needs to what maybe they requested? So can you talk about, um, which I think has been your, your bread and butter and what makes your um, – your approach so special is that you have a variety of things that you can teach and do teach and run specific clinics such as an attack skills camp. And I think about um, when I was in high school and the development of some skills that I needed to make is that it seemed like at times, and we had a very knowledgeable basketball coach, but it still kind of felt like, all right, here's your summer, go work on these couple things. And then after that, it was a bit of a mystery. Like, well, I don't know exactly what to do or how to do it effectively. I don't think there's any guessing with what you're doing and when players go attend your, your camps. And so just talk a little bit about the variety of what's offered. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's great value in having the understanding of what you're supposed to work on. I also think there's great value in having the freedom and creativity to be like, Hey, you know, I know coach game for us. It's like a lot of it was, Hey, if you're playing, he was pretty happy. Right. And I think every coach would say the same thing as well. If their kids have a basketball in their hand for the most part, that's a lot better than if they don't. Right. But when you come to our camps, it's really about the variety of instruction and drill types for me on top of obviously the care factor being intense, being able to demonstrate everything. We demonstrate every single drill at our camps, which I think goes a really long way. But we want to give kids what you might call driveway drills, right? And, and what that means is there's plenty of times that you're not going to have a friend or you're not going to be at open gym or it's not going to be a, a workout where your coach or trainer or somebody is running it. We want you to come to camp and leave with a handful of things that you can do to get better on your own. And I, I really believe that that is a big separator for a lot of players because so many kids like to play, but only if someone else is playing as well. Right. And I mean, Taylor, you know, you know, being the, the younger brother myself, I mean, most of my game was spent by myself, just working on my game and visualization is a big part of that understanding what you're, trying to work on and imagining making certain moves against a defender who may not even be there. So we do a lot of driveway drills, which is one on, oh, hey, 
you want to work on shooting, here's shooting drills you can do by yourself. Here's ball handling drills you can do by yourself. Finishing drills you can do by yourself. Even defensive drills that you can do by yourself. That's huge. We also share a variety of partner drills, right? You with your brother, sister, friend, what are some things that you can do by yourself or with a friend to continue to improve your game, whether that's shooting, finishing, some ball handling games and, and competitions can go a really long way. They're a lot of fun, right? When you can get a buddy with you and start to start to play the game. Um, we do a lot of competitive ball handling games, right? So it's not just, you know, the monotony of do this 10 times. Do it. It's like, no, this is a competition with uh, a crossover between legs drill or a cone swipe drill um, that can go a really long way. Uh, we talk about what variable practices and the importance of being able to practice different skills through a same series, right? So if I have a, a partner, I may do what we call the Clay Thompson drill. So I come off of a wide pin down from the corner and then I get into an elbow catch and shoot. And then I immediately backpedal into a flare for a wing three. And then I drift, which is more of a, a shuffle step going down to the corner for a catch and shoot three there. And then Clay Thompson likes to shot fake, side dribble or sidestep and shoot another three. So we give the kids options. You can shot fake on this three, you can side dribble and shoot another three, or you can get downhill and do a pull up into a mid range. And so that's variable practice. That's four different shot types in succession that kids are working on. And we might have them do that for 90 seconds. I say, okay, every two is worth two. Every three is worth three. We'll do a set on the right side, a set on the left side. Can you beat your partner? Can you beat your high score? Whatever that might look like. So uh, we show them a lot of variable practice drills and obviously they're randomized, right? Which is involved with decision-making. You don't necessarily know what's going to come next. From there, that easily transitions into different one-on-one -on -one play. Taylor, you know me for a long time. I'm huge on one-on-one. -on -one. Always have been huge on kids playing one-on-one. -on -one. And so to not simply check up and say, okay, let's play, but to give them a variety of one-on-one -on -one drills, whether that's at the high post, whether that's low post, advantage, disadvantage, um, being able to have uh, the randomized aspect. Maybe this is a one-on-one -on -one drill, but there's four players involved in the drill. And you don't know who's going to get the basketball at a certain time. And you're working on a defensive closeout. That's the one thing I like about implementing a lot of one-on-one -on -one drills is it's you're just as much working on your defense. And it can be easy during the summertime and most times to work on your offensive game, but it is very difficult to work on some of those defensive skills unless you're actually playing against the body. And so uh, as we show kids a variety of fun game applicable one-on-one -on -one drills, that goes a really long way. And, you know, we've, we've had kids start those one-on-one -on -one drills before they come to camp. You know, some kids will come to camp and, they're shooting around. Some kids like to start a game of lightning, you know, and we'll have come in, kids come in and be like, well, we like really like that one-on-one -on -one drill. And they'll just start playing the one-on-one -on -one drills before that goes a really long way. I even have coaches who will reach out to me and say, Steve, we've implemented some of your one-on-one -on -one drills. Our kids are just doing them or in like gym class, they'll show them and the kids will just come in and start playing. I mean, that's, that's when you know you're onto something is, does this apply to a game? Yes. The kids like doing it enough. They're actually doing it on their own. I mean, that's when you know you struck gold, right? As far as being able to, to get the buy-in 
and getting improvement. And, you know, from there we build into three on three. So with certain camps that we run, we play a lot of three on three, specifically FIBA three on three. If you've listened to some other episodes, uh, we talk about playing fast. You don't check it unless there's a foul or the ball goes out of bounds. Um, so even on a made basket, you're just getting it out and coming back in. Uh, FIBA plays with a 12 second shot clock. So even though we didn't have the capabilities to have a shot clock running at our camps, we would have a coach there. And if a possession was taken too long, they get them into a countdown, you know, five, four, three, two, one. Um, we play a lot of short, really competitive games. And um, so with all that said, there's a lot of different types of instruction that we try to throw at our kids in a short amount of time in the hopes that wherever each athlete is at, they're able to take something. And just like you and I are different, just like every person in the world is different, the instruction that they need may need is also going to be different. So it's important for me to not bring the kids in and simply teach one way. I want to teach a, a variety of different instruction types so that I know when every kid leaves, they're taking something away, even if every kid, what their takeaway was, is something that's different. Yeah, so you mentioned um, the differences in kids and what they might need and, and where they're at. I'm wondering if there's any, um, over the course of, you know, serving a thousand kids and having um, so many clinics in a short time period, is there any kind of commonalities that you've noticed maybe with, with the kids this summer and what, they, what they've needed? That is a great question. And 100%. I think that the, there's so much value in being able to see so many different kids. And that's something that I try to relate to our coaches is, you know, as a varsity basketball coach, you're dug into your program, right? So you see your kids on a consistent basis, their strengths and weaknesses, you, you know, some of the competition in the area and what those players are like. And then you bring me in, it's like, well, I've seen players from around the country, right? And so this specific player or this specific need that they have, it may be a little newer to you. I've seen it in like 10 or 20 kids already, right? In, in different different places. And so that goes uh, a really long way. This episode is sponsored by Temple Fitness in Wayland, Michigan, specializing in athletic development through kickboxing, weightlifting, and MMA training ranging from training basketball players, pro and amateur fighters, to the everyday person who's looking to get stronger or lose some weight. You can also train through the Temple Fitness app. From explosive training to weight loss, they can assign the perfect workout and nutrition plan to ensure your success. So no matter what your goal or fitness level, Temple can partner with you to get the job done. Email templefitness111 at gmail.com. Again, templefitness111 at gmail.com or follow them on social media at underscore templefitness to get started. So with that said, there are a handful of things that I think are good common general tips that can go a really long way for a coach or for a player. Let's take uh, a shooting, for example. When you bring the basketball up, and your hand gets underneath the basketball, get into your follow through. It's a simple tip, right? But as you work with so many players, you see that for many of them, that is not the case. You'll see players make a handful of mistakes. So let's go through some common shooting errors real quick that I see. 
You have players who will begin to lift the basketball, but their hands not underneath it yet. And they shoot it to the hoop. So that's very flat. It's like you're throwing a dart, right? You have other players who will bring the basketball up, hand gets underneath the ball, and then they drop their hand. That's what I call a lock and load type shooter. Everything looked good. And then, oh, you decide to bring the basketball down and then back up again. You literally went up, down, back up. Not great, right? You've just taken all your momentum away, slowed your shot down. A lot of bad things are happening right there. Third one, you have players who will bring it up. Their hand gets underneath the basketball and then they start to bring it back behind their head. And then they take their shot. Much more of a slingshot type motion, right? Um, and then you'll have players who don't load the wrist at all. Now, this is some body mechanic stuff. Everybody has a little bit different level of flexibility. So those kids will, will bring it up with a very perfectly flat wrist. And so when they bring the basketball up to get their hand underneath the ball, they're literally bending their forearm all the way back. And then they really have to shoot it almost with their forearm coming forward, shooting the basketball. That's another common shooting error that we see. And so we encourage our kids to get some wrist wrinkles, if at all possible, right? It doesn't have to be 90 degrees. Mine's probably 45 degrees, right? So it's very, you know, we have some kids with extreme wrist flexibility, uh, but if we can at least work on getting a, a wrinkled wrist or somewhat of that before the basketball comes up, it's much easier for us to see that point when our hand does get underneath the basketball. And when the hand does get underneath the basketball, let that baby go. It wants to go to the hoop, send it, send it to the hoop right hand underneath the ball get out in your follow through that's something that we've had to remind quite a bit as we've done so many shooting camps this summer um, but it's pretty easy from the standpoint of learning now is it easy from the acquisition standpoint no no mo most things aren't right but for to, the kid to be able to bring the basketball up and the cue simply being hey when your hand gets underneath the basketball that's when you get out in, into your follow through. It makes sense, right? It's a very easy shooting tip that generally uh, it helps generate more power, more straight lines, more rhythm, quicker shot release, better arc. I mean, there's a ton of huge positives when it comes to simply when your hand gets underneath the basketball, let that baby go. Um, so that's a big one from a, a shooting standpoint. Uh, with players, you know, I did a full shooting demonstration at a specific camp. And this kid comes up to me after and he's like, that's not how Larry Bird shot it. And I was like, you know, there's not many times I'm getting like angry, but I'm like, there's so many things wrong with this statement. I, I want to be like, are you going to practice as much as Larry Bird? Are you going to be six, nine, like Larry Bird? I know Larry Bird gets a, a lot of crap for not being athletic. He's way more athletic than given credit for. You can be as athletic and talented as Larry Bird. Like none of these things are the case. You have the basketball IQ of Larry Bird, right? Um, and the other thing is I would argue that although Larry Bird is one of the greatest shooters to ever live, we've learned a lot about shooting in the past 30 or 40 years. And so if Larry Bird came up with the knowledge of shooting the basketball that he has now, I would argue that he would be an even better shooter, right, than he was back then, which is unbelievably impressive. So uh, I was just like, man, that's rarely do we get kids 
like that, but every once in a while you get one and you just kind of grit your teeth and smile and be like, you, you do know like why this helps. Right. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, there's no one size fits all for, for anybody, right. Everybody's shot is different, which why we, is why we tell kids like you're not a robot. God didn't make you just like somebody else, but there's simply good common shooting characteristics that, that we want to have. I can go on and on with, with that. Um, a couple of other ones real quick that I think can just help coaches. I would practice the in and out move more often. I think it's a super valuable move. You can do it basically pretty tight to your body when a defender's pretty close in front of you, right? I mean, you're not going to give it to them, but if you have some space, you can use that in and out to go. You can use it to really shift a defensive player and change direction. You can use it from a real quick standpoint. So you kind of almost freeze the defender and then change your go. It's also great to, if you make that move and they back up, you can get right into your pull-up jump shot. You can also use the in and out to stretch as more of a lateral move. So you make that in and out move and, and you're drifting laterally and you're reading the defense. And if they don't slide across with you, you push the ball forward and go. If you use that in and out move and the defense starts to shift and cut you off, Right. So if I in and out move to my left and I really see that defender really biting to my left because I've stretched out my dribble and I've shuffled my feet, we call it a slide dribble or a drift dribble, then I can cross over and change direction pretty easily. And it's also a great move to use in transition, right? Because you're going to dribble the basketball anyway. So instead of simply dribbling the basketball, pushing it up and down, when that basketball is in your hand and you're going fast. Can you simply put in an in and out while you're in transition? Sometimes that defender's going to bite. And it was the easiest move in the world to get by him because you had to dribble it anyway. And the last thing about the in and out is it's a safe dribble move because the ball is still in the same hand, right? So there's not this, oh, you crossed over too many times, between legs too many times. Ball's still in the same hand. And a lot of times you're just inserting the in and out in place of a dribble that would be used anyway. And so that's something, and obviously there's, there's eyes, there's shoulders, there's footwork that goes along into the in and out. That's a heck of a lot easier to demonstrate than it is to break down on audio, but the in and out move is one move as a player that I know I would have practiced even more. And that's saying quite a bit, cause it was one of my go-to moves um, and that I encourage our players to work on, on a consistent basis. The in and out, man, it's taking me back. I remember how often you and I were practicing that move in the summers and just the options that are off it. So I can attest to that too, that um, as someone who preferred to shoot from the outside, I was able to, to utilize it and, and get those shots off. And the viral dunk by Brownie James, I don't know if you noticed, but prior to that dunk, he did the left-handed in and out, which kind of shifted the defender. And then um, all credit to that kid, man, that dunk was, that was a nice dunk. And it was, he was going to his left, but he dunked it with his right hand and he, he caught that dude. Um, but it, it was from the in and out, man. Again, that was a transition in and out. He was going to dribble it anyway. He threw in the in and out, totally moved the defensive player. And, um, you know, listen, we could say a lot of things about social media, uh, LeBron, NBA players, all that, that stuff. But for, for the most part, like to have the pressure of a kid like that and to still be developing in, into a, a high level player with all the media attention and all the pressure. I mean, 
credit. I mean, that this is a whole nother subject, probably not even for a coaching podcast, but uh, I'm very, I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. I agree. Um, so I guess last question is what is the, what is, what have you noticed is the state of kids today? Uh, do they want to be coached? Do they need to be coached? Where, where do they land with all that stuff? Kids want to be coached. That's one thing that I was reminded of throughout the course of the summer. You know, when I wake up and I'm heading to the gym and, and as the summer wanes on, right, your body starts to, to hurt. You get a little more tired. You just been in the gym every day for such a long period of time. But those kids are there for a reason. They're hungry to get better. And so here's, here's what I think. Okay. And I don't mean this in, in a, a negative way, right? To our coaches, that's who listens to this podcast, but there's too many casual coaches. There's too many casual coaches out there, right? And you can't be casual, especially in our day and age where kids want to understand why they want to understand even more so that you care about them. This isn't back when I was in high school and prior where coach says jump, you say how high, you just keep running until they say, okay, that's, that's enough stuff. Like we we're better than that. Right. And so we, we can't be so casual with just expecting why well, I told them to do this and now they're not doing it anymore. That's not the kid's fault. That's your fault. Right. You can't be a casual coach, understand the reason and explain it to them. Understand the why. Will this take a, a little bit longer at times? Yeah, it'll take a little bit longer, but when kids understand that you're invested and it's got a reason for why you're doing what you're doing, you're building some trust. And if they say, oh, okay, well, well now, now I understand why we're doing this, this drill. Now they're more likely to execute it at a high level because they feel, hey, I'm getting better when I'm doing this, right? So we need to explain the why. We can't be so casual. One of my, you know, we've had, we work with some unbelievable coaches, right? Um, I mean, some of the best. When one thing that I can't stand though, is if I'm doing something and I'll talk with a parent or another coach and um, they'll say like, oh, you know, it's, you know, I'm teaching them all the same stuff that you're teaching them. I'm like, that's not true because you wouldn't have brought me in, right? Like they're, they're, they'll be like, hey, this is great that you're here. They're going to have me back, but they're, you know, they're teaching all this. You're not teaching all the same stuff that I'm teaching them, right? Because they wouldn't have all these problems <laughs> the, the other way, right? Because one, I'm not casual, right? Two, I'm detailed. This is my job, right? This is my job. You have uh, another job you got to do to pay the bills. This is what pays the bills and provides for, for my family. So I, I would hope out of respect that you would understand I can spend a lot more time on footwork and timing and shooting and finishing and all these things because I, I can do that, right? It's my job. The other thing is you may understand the, the basic fundamentals, right? But when I work for, see, 2014, I started my own business. 2008, I started running camps. Like when you've had literally thousands of players you're running through. And now at this point, we're into, you know, five figures of players that we've worked with, you know, over 10,000 over the years. You've seen, you've gained so much experience as a coach, as far as 
what a kid does, how a kid moves, how somebody might shoot. And so the little like five second coaching tidbit or the 10 second coaching tidbit that I can give to a kid that honestly, like nobody else might've seen, that is like the value of having some of our camps, right? And so I just can't underestimate the the value in the reps, the reps as far as seeing so many players each and every year combined with the reps from a time standpoint that I can, I can put in, like I can just put in so much. If I wanted to literally spend all day researching shooting and watching shooting, I can do that. Right. And so there's a base knowledge. And then with all that swirling around, then I can look at a player, shoot a basketball and say, okay, what's the one thing that's holding them back the most that's going to level up their shot the most. And that's the thing we'll break down to them. They might have 10 things with their shot that they need to improve, but I can pick out what's the one thing that's holding them back the most. And then we'll start to, to work with them on that specific thing. Um, and so that goes a, a really long way. Um, so can be casual as coaches. Right. We can always continue to learn. I'm always learning. I learn a ton from the coaches that we get to work with because I'm figuring out what works for them, what doesn't work for them, what's their style of play, what are the things that they're trying to get better at as a program. Uh, I learn a lot from our coaches that we work with as far as like the systems and uh, the motions, the actions, the defenses that they run. Um, and then learning from kids. Kids want to be pushed, but kids need to know why. And kids need to know that you care about them. The other thing, the last thing that I would mention with this is let's say you do walk in the gym and you are teaching like all the same stuff that I might teach, right? But this goes back to the casual thing. Do you have a presence about yourself that has some confidence, that has some swag, and that has the this matters factor? Like, we had, um, we were in Corona for a, a two-day shooting camp, right? Shout out to, to Coach Rocky Bushami. He's the man, right? And for the first day out of two with this high school group, we went, we did a 20-minute classroom presentation on shooting the basketball. Then we went into the gym and we spent about 45 more minutes doing a bunch of different types of fundamental technique driven shooting drills. So you think about this, I'm, I'm in there with them for about three hours and we've spent now over an hour in the classroom and spending really just like detail, not getting into a ton of fun competitive games, which we did get into. And we had a, we had a blast. We did a ton of game. We played three on three, one-on-one, all based on points of emphasis, shooting the basketball in different types. But we spent over an hour and I even told the kids, this is like this next hour is possibly going to be the most boring part of your day. But I, it's also the most important part of your day as far as shooting the basketball. You need to take away what we're going to break down and perform and experience with all these different little drills that we're going to work on. They can make a huge difference in your shooting and yourself as a player. And so we finished the, the two days, right? And I'm, I'm talking to the coach 
Rocky, and he's like, man, your ability to keep those kids engaged, present, learning, even though some of the things that you were actually having them do weren't the most exciting. He's like, that was impressive. And that's what we need to do more as coaches on a daily basis is regardless of what it is that you're teaching and that you're working on. If you can go in and be like, this matters. I know 100% in my mind that if we get better at this specific thing, you're going to play better. You're going to play better. We're going to win more games. We're going to have more fun. If you can instill that mindset into the kids, in a sense, it really doesn't matter what you're working on, right? It could be, could be anything. And obviously you're going to play and do a, a bunch of things competitively that may be a little more engaging. But when you continue to remind your kids the you matter factor and to get them to understand the more you work on these things, the better you're going to get. And the better you get, the more fun basketball becomes. The more fun basketball becomes, the more likely you are to practice these specific things, right? And that's the circle of life, right? That's the, the Lion King, right? And the more, the more you continue to practice these things, better you get, better you get, more fun you have, more fun you have, more you practice, more you practice, better you get, better you get, right? And so to be able to remind the kids of that, show them the way, give them the, the blueprint, it's exciting to see what, what the potential looks like. And when we got buy-in from players at multi-day camps, especially when you get to like day three at some of our camps, I couldn't believe how much improvement we got in a short amount of time from our kids to be able to look at them and say, you literally weren't shooting like that two days ago. Like, let's think about this. Look at the improvement that we've seen in literally three days. Imagine what it could look like if you consistently, you know, stay true to this for a summer in the preseason, getting some shots up and carry this through the rest of your high school career. Imagine what could happen. And that's one of the things that excites me the most. Why I absolutely love traveling and running basketball camps. It's that potential. Say if we can light a fire with a few of those kids and they can buy into the practice and the improvement and being like, man, this stuff's working. Like, this is fun. I'm having some success. And then continue to snowball that. The potential factor for compounding that over months and even years for some of these players and the improvement that we can see down the road is extremely exciting for me. That's one of the reasons why I love to do what I do and uh, being able to do it long enough at this point that we've seen the success of different programs and players that have stayed true to that. I mean, that's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm literally getting like tingles just talking about it. I can hear it in your voice, man. And um, it, so it was really cool to be able to connect here as you're winding down the summer and hear about all the things that, that you've done and what makes your approach unique. And I love the way that you ended with just the focus back on the kids. And, and I was one of those kids where I could buy in at a much higher level if I had someone take the time to explain kind of why we're doing things and what the benefits are going to be and that we're doing this so that you can be better. And this is why um, I think if 
more coaches take that approach, you're going to just get a totally new level of buy-in from your players and they start to feel like more of the process. And when, and, and this is true through life and through business and everything. If your employees and your coworkers know why you're doing something, they can take more ownership and just be that much more effective in their roles. And so I, I love that. I think there's a lot of wisdom in there. Um, thank you for letting me come on here and, and help facilitate the discussion. Is there anything else you want to say before we, before we head out? Taylor, thank you for, for doing this. If uh, coaches are interested in Coach's Edge, our online membership, they can reach out, contact at com. We appreciate everybody who's listening to the podcast. I uh, love to talk basketball, is, as you can tell. I can talk about it absolutely all day with, with anybody. And um, Taylor, I know you're a lover of, of the game, and you rounded out really well with the fact that if you give kids some ownership and explain the why, uh, I think pretty special things can happen. So Taylor, thank you for doing this listeners. Thanks for listening to the coach's edge podcast. Appreciate you get after it today.